We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Rigger. It's a pleasure to have you along. Let's talk some JMU basketball. We'll talk some women's and men's with the JMU beat writer for the Daily News Record, and that is Shane Metlin. Hi, Shane. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Dave? You doing good because you're a Chiefs fan? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm probably not as into the NFL as a lot of people because I get distracted by everything else going on like this time of year, but... Um, yeah, I definitely was uh, pulling for the Chiefs last night, so yeah. so it was good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk some basketball. We'll start with women's because you were able to see those two games in person. Obviously, I wasn't able to being with the men this past week, but uh, needed two victories at home and got two victories at home, and I, I thought they those were those were good wins. Louisiana's a good team. Uh, they were able to find, kind of grind one out. They, they beat an Arkansas State team that was riding pretty high after a big upset of Troy, so uh, two good wins this week for the women. Yeah, uh, like you said, obviously Louisiana came in tied with JMU in the uh, conference standing. Uh, it was a good team. A couple of their losses were in overtime to first place Troy. So, I mean, it kind of tells you how tightly packed some of the teams Sun Belt Conference are right now. And so that, that's always a good win. And then Arkansas State, the team that doesn't have a good record, but you can kind of see how they were capable of beating a team like Troy. Um, there's some talent there. Maybe they're not all don't have it all put together all the time. They're, um, I don't know what they're lacking exactly, uh, other than maybe some size. But, um, yeah, it's damn you to get double-digit win against that team coming off a win against Troy. That really helped JMU as far as trying to catch the Trojans in the conference race. Uh, it was exactly the kind of week they would have drawn up for trying to get back into this thing. Yeah, no question. And man, the Thursday game was just it was a, it's just looking at the box score it's weird because Louisiana didn't make a 3. The Dukes made 10, which isn't uh, hasn't been the norm for them. They only shot 31% for the game, but they made 17 free throws, had had again six more free throw makes than Louisiana. Um the, they had 15 offensive rebounds, which was good. They only had 10 turnovers, only forced 11. So it's just kind of an interesting game when when you look at the box score. Yeah, um, it was, especially, you know, you go back and look at the box score. And I, I was aware as the game was going on that week and I hadn't hit a three yet. But at the same time, it wasn't that odd as you're watching the mm-hmm. game. You know, JMU was getting good looks. Um, it was, you know, a lot of drives and kicks and working the ball around, getting good looks. And you know, they shot a decent percentage, but that was just where the shots were coming from for them uh, was – at the three-point line, and they were, you know, not – they were actually – I think they knew they weren't expecting Louisiana to be able to beat them at the three-point line because they were giving them those shots. Um, you know, you might have expected them to make one or two, but um, that was the game plan. They were going to, you know, take away the drive, uh, do some of that. Maybe they didn't even do that as well as they hoped to, but just in the flow of the game – even looking at the weird numbers, it didn't look that strange as you saw it play out. Now we're seeing a little bit more of Kobe King Hawea. She started, has been starting the last few games, played 27 minutes. When And again, she played pretty well on, on Thursday. It wasn't great on Saturday, but what is she? does she make this team different? Do you feel like she's starting to get to where they thought she was going to be when they, they kind of hyped her up preseason? I think to some degree. I mean, she's still not playing up the stats and everything, but um, her presence on the floor is definitely felt even uh, even if she's not scoring a ton. And, you know, I found it interesting uh, against, I think this was against Louisiana, uh, the two games are kind of 
melting together in my head yes. a little bit. But there, there was times where she was on the floor with Peyton McDaniel and Kiki Jefferson at the same time. And I don't think they've played very many minutes at all with those three on the floor together. And one thing you saw was they'd run a pick and roll with two of them and have, you know, maybe Peyton McDaniel spotting up for three off the pick and roll. And then they made the extra pass because they just can't, you know, those three are drawing so much attention that, you know, Caroline Jermond or Jamia Hazel opened in the corner. And that's where they got some of their three pointers. Like, good look, when you're talking about them shooting better from three. Maybe all the attention that that trio is drawing is making it a little bit easier for other people to get to get good looks. We're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. The Jamie women win two games. They're just a game out of first place right now, and they have the tiebreaker over Troy. So if they could get even with Troy, again, they've got a chance to still win the league. There's still four games remaining. Dukes have three of the last four, though, on the road. We'll talk about that as we continue on Saturday. Good to see Susha Kozlova kind of get going again. She had... I don't know, she was in a little bit of a, not that she was in a rut, but it was only getting six shot attempts the last couple of games, was in single digits, only scored 10 total points the two previous games, including just four against Louisiana, but went for 17 and eight. And I just I just feel like when she does that, this team's almost, I don't want to say they're, un, they're, they're unbeatable, but they're just a different team when she's able to put up numbers like that. Yeah, and, you know, they've talked all year about the pendulum swinging for this season. Sometimes it's going to be, Kiki Jefferson getting them 30 that carries them. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, her having a big game, but somebody like Susha stepping up to, um, and then there's going to be other people do it. And, you know, it states a lot on how other teams react to what they've had success with. Everybody was packing it in, beating up on, you know, Susha Kalflova, really. I mean, you ever see her after a game, the number of bruises and scratches and everything she has all over her body is pretty incredible. And, you know, she takes a beating um, and then she'll, she'll draw double, triple teams sometimes if teams decide that's what they want to take away. And you mentioned, you know, Kobe king Hawaii being in the lineup and getting more minutes now. That might open things up for her too, like where, you know, teams can't maybe afford to pack it in quite so much on her. And like you say, she broke out, had another big game and um, is a team, is, is a player that can give them double-figure scoring pretty consistently in the post, which is something that they haven't had a ton of through the years. Did you feel like they got back to, to playing pretty good defense, holding, again, the, the two teams both under 60? You do that, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. I know um, Coach last week kind of talked that they've got to get back to their defensive identity a little bit. Were they closer to it this past week? I think to some degree um, the op- opponent has something to do with that too. Yeah. I mean, uh, Louisiana, for having a pretty good record and everything, doesn't score a lot of points. Although they're will, they're more than willing to run with a team like Troy. They've you know had games, uh, high scoring games against Troy, so you know they can score points. But I think they average less than sixty a game. So it, it may be some of the opponent, and maybe some uh, playing against you know the best crowds they've had this season. You know, energize things a little bit. That always helps defensively I think even more than offensively um, when you're playing at home and yeah the, the intensity was there you know they got steals in the backcourt for easy buckets things like that um, I think there's still some room to improve too as they go on the road here for the next for the next few 
Well, in their next two, I guess you, you couldn't script it much better. Uh, they, they play Texas State and Old Dominion, the two teams they're tied with for second place right now. So they control their own destiny on what they want to do. I mean, they, they obviously don't control it to win yet unless Troy loses one, and then they get they have the tiebreakers. So they're right there with four to go. But the next three on the road, these two at Texas State, ODU, those two teams are playing really well right now. This is a monster week for the Dukes. Yeah, and then we'll get into it with the men too, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. uh it lines up perfectly for these two teams to just, you know, it's all in their hands. They it win, is. they're going to like the position that they're in at the end of the season. And if they don't, then, you know, they didn't deserve to be, you know, at the top of the conference. But they both have a, you know, big opportunity coming up. Like you said, two teams that they're tied with. So you take care of business on the road, you're in really good shape as far as, you know, getting one of the top two seeds in the conference tournament, which, you know, the, we've, we've talked all over, over and over again about how the top fours, they could get double buys and everything. But to be in the top two mm-hmm. and make sure you're opposite Troy in the bracket, I think is also pretty huge on the women's side. I agree. I, I think it is. And, and again, two wins this week. And they, they not that they'll just wrap it up immediately, but they'll be in great shape. They'll have a tiebreaker over all three teams, Troy, ODU, Texas State. Um, It's a monster week. There's no doubt about it. Do you know much about Texas State? Obviously, they played Old Dominion, beat them by 14 at home. That hasn't mattered this year. Again, it's a different team on the road. But uh, do you know much much about Texas State? Not a ton other than, you know, their record. And, um, you know, JMU's been very good against the Sunbelt West teams. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if there's really a a line of distinction between the divisions or not. But, um, you know, they – They've played well, and, um, you know, they, they've gotten to the point where they're tied with Jamie for second for a reason, but, you know, I don't know a ton about, like, just what their personnel and everything. Yeah, they've won three straight, but, again, they're 10-4. and four, They're 18-7 and seven overall. That'll be a big one down in San Marcos coming up on Thursday. Dukes at Texas State, then at Old Dominion Saturday. Again, those are the two teams they're tied with right now for second place in the Sun Belt, just a game back of Troy. And, again, the Dukes have the tiebreaker over Troy, so – Let's see what happens this week. Four games left in the regular season. We talked to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record, talking some JMU basketball. The JMU men, an interesting week for them. Did not play very well in either first half this week, but uh, played much better after halftime. Couldn't catch Georgia Southern on Thursday. Able to catch Coastal Carolina on Saturday. But, uh, again, they're still in the top four. They're they're all alone in fourth place, but only a game back of third, and they play those two teams here coming up. Louisiana, they'll take on Saturday. Marshall a week from Wednesday, so a little time before they play that one. But um, it, the Old Dominion's playing well. They haven't lost since James Madison played them and, and beat them in Norfolk, so all of a sudden they're a game back, so that turns into a huge game on Thursday. But um, an interesting week for the Dukes, and it, it was so strange – calling those games because the week before when they were at Old Dominion at App, they played well early and held on. They were so bad the first half this week that they had to rally the entire it's not kind of a, just the polar opposites in the games this week. Yeah, I mean, it really just seemed like they had so much trouble putting the ball in the basket yeah. early in those games. Um, you know, even when they were getting to the rim and doing some doing some good things offensively, they just weren't converting them into points and uh, fell behind. And You know, in both of those games, though, I think the comebacks weren't particularly surprising when you kind of look at, like, well, you know, they can't continue to shoot this bad for the next 20 minutes as we go into halftime. You know, cut into uh, deficits a little bit before halftime. And you, I think probably, if you were Mark Byington, as bad as things went in the first half of those games, you had to feel pretty good that they were going to come back and, you know, eventually took the lead in both 
and uh, held on to win at Coastal. Um, when the road trip is not the end of the world in the conference, but uh, it did seem like an opportunity for them to kind of make up the ground of the Georgia Southern loss and uh, being one that kind of one that will kind of stick with you a little bit, I think, probably when you um, when they more than likely. I doubt they're catching everyone in the conference. Right. The Southern starts to pull away a little bit. They, they may look at a couple of these games and be like, well, we could have been a spot or two higher. But, um, but but the split on the road is pretty good if you can come home and take care of your home court here for the next four. Well, and especially when we talked about this, when when, <laughs> when we looked at the schedule, I think you and I talked about this when the schedule was released. Seven of ten on the road before you get the forward home. If you can survive the seven of ten, then all of a sudden you put yourself in a good spot. That's exactly what they've done. That they just had four in a row and they went three and one. I they I think they they would have signed up for that going three and one on the road in these four road games and going six and three away from home this entire season uh, in Sunbelt play is pretty phenomenal for this team. So again, it's the home games I think against Texas State, App State that you look at and be like, ah, oh, those are the ones that will probably eat more. But to go six and three on the road in a conference, boy, it's so hard to do. Yeah, and I mean if you look at the road games they. Played too. I mean, they get a really good win at Marshall. They, you know, mm-hmm. go to ODU and win where they lead the league in attendance. That was close to a sellout. You know, intense crowd. There. The, the Troy wins um, a big win now too. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and the losses too. It's you know, nobody wins at Southern Miss. South Alabama is a good team. You will lose at the buzzer there. Um, and, and Georgia you know, Southern is the other Southern, one. Yeah. It's solid, and then you throw in, you know, they're fired up for Mark Byington to come back. They have a good crowd and everything. There's a lot that goes into these things. And, yeah, like you said, if they if you say 6-3 and three on the road, explain those are the three you're going to lose, it all kind of makes a little sense, mm-hmm. and you got to feel pretty good about it. Um, yeah, the, the two home losses were disappointing, but if you win four straight here, yeah. the stretch, <laughs> you're still in pretty good shape. No question. I want to I want to ask you about Terrence Edwards, and I know we've talked about this and just how far he's come. I, I, again, I didn't get to see him his freshman year. I've obviously seen him the last two years, but even from the beginning of last year, uh, he just sometimes he's still out of control. Sometimes you still want to <laughs> ask, "What are you doing?" But he's now scored in double figures in ten consecutive games, and it's he's he's becoming the most consistent player. He's getting four to six to seven rebounds almost every single game. Um, he'll turn it over once in a while, but he's going to get a couple of steals per game. How far has he come when you first saw him step on campus, especially just with his shooting? I mean, he shot 47% from the foul line as a freshman. He's now at 73. I mean, he's he's almost reliable from three and from the free throw line when you couldn't say that early in his career. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously worked on his shot a lot uh, in the three years that he's been at JFU. Um and, you know, you talked about him maybe being a little out of control at times. And that's where he's kind of reined things in, I think, um, from his freshman year. You've always kind of taken that, you know, playing a little too fast, playing a little out of control, because for the one bad turnover, there might be a couple of spectacular plays, like that behind-the-back pass right. at ODU, where, it, you know, it looked like maybe it was one of those out-of-control moments that it actually, like, slipped out for for a three-pointer, um, you kind of take the good and the bad with that, and he's reined in a lot of that out-of-control play um, since he was a freshman. You could just see the moments. Like, he had some moments when he was a freshman where he just made passes that you don't see other guys make. Um, you know, no-looks 
you know, not necessarily behind the back like I was talking about, but you know, his vision was really, really exceptional. Um, and he's, you know, a lengthy guy who's, you know, you know, they still call him fat. I think sort of, you know, sarcastically, <laughs> he's a thin guy, but like he's packed on some muscle. He's lean, but he's muscular now. Um, where he was just skinny when he got when he got to Harrisonburg. Um, so he's he's done a lot of things that have just you know steadily improved his game, and um, the flashes of that were all there as a freshman. Um, but he was pretty raw, and um, you know, for you know, people talk about recruiting rankings, and even at the mid-major level, it's it's tough to gauge. But he was the highest regarded prospect i think in that initial recruiting class and you're kind of seeing why the talent right. was always there and now he's you know really embraced the coaching is doing some great things the one thing that that i mean it doesn't surprise me just with who he is but he's kind of embraced the role coming off the bench too and some kids don't like that we talked about that with the women peyton mcdaniel's kind of doing that right now but we talked about that a few weeks ago about how you know, some kids want to start, some kids don't, and I'm, I'm everybody wants to start. But he's kind of embraced that role of, of coming in and playing still starter minutes, but coming off the bench and giving them that spark. Yeah, and you know, it helps when you've got a guy like him who basically can play four positions for you. You know, he he runs the point sometimes, but he also can guard the four um, with his length. So I think that's part of the reason why he's a good guy to be coming off the bench. Is, you know, he really just slides in seamlessly wherever you need him, depending on foul trouble, minutes, whatever. Um, he can play alongside a talk Molson or, you know, be the guy who spells him. Um, he, he can do so many different things for you that I think that's part of the reason I think it's easier for the coaching staff to maybe get a guy like that to embrace coming off the bench as you explain that his role can be that for this team where he, he does a little bit of everything and, um, can go in for just about anybody at any time. Here we're talking with Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record, talking some JMU basketball, the men at home this week. We'll talk about those matchups here in just a second. You know, one thing that's kind of surprised me is they've kind of learned how to play without Alonzo Sule. I'm hoping he can come back for the homestand. I think there's a chance that he'll be able to. Um, again, he, I think he's getting close, so hopefully he does. They're going to need him here down the stretch and in the postseason. But it, is it kind of amazing to you? I think it is to me that they've kind of found a way – to survive without really getting much of anything from their five man. And, and Julian Wooden kind of turns into that at times and has been playing that. Uh, Mezzi is a little bit. But Justin Amati, he scored six in the Georgia Southern game, but but he's that's the most he's scored in a long time. Um, he's not being that aggressive at the rim. They're not throwing it to him down there, obviously. They really never do anyway. But they're not getting much production from this five spot right now around the rim with Alonzo out. They've kind of they, but they figured out how to play without that. Are you kind of surprised by that? Yes and no. I mean, like you said, I mean, Alonzo is kind of more of the true post score that they had. Um, you, you mentioned Justin Amati. I thought he probably played with a little more energy this week. I would, I would agree with that, yes. Recently, but yeah, he's still not going to be – he's not a guy you just throw down on the block, have him post up, and you go to work. I mean, he, he gets some putbacks and things like that. So they are, they are lacking that to some degree. You know, you know, Mezzi Afuro is, you know, maybe more of like a combo forward than a five, likes to play facing the basket. Julian Wooden likes to go out to the three-point line. So, I mean, I think they've adjusted in that they're stretching the floor a little bit with those guys. But um, if Zoe comes back, that does kind of give them a different look. And 
also just huge when you look at the teams that they've got coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. You know, ODU's not got great size, but Marshall, Louisiana are going to be huge games, and they've got they've got some really some big guys. They've got some size. And, um, if you could get Sule back to just guard those guys, let alone his offense in the post, I think that's going to be pretty big for those matchups. Duke's back at home for the last four, two this week, Old Dominion, Louisiana. Two huge games. Louisiana is a, a game ahead of them in the standings despite losing two in a row, which, which again, the Dukes have a chance now to, to catch them with a victory this weekend. But the ODU game is huge now because ODU, as I mentioned, hasn't lost since the Dukes beat them, and they're only a game back. So, obviously, it's, this is a monster game. I think this could be a huge crowd, and this will be a big-time atmosphere, I think, on Thursday. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know. You, you've been in town long enough to realize that uh, the JMU fans don't like ODU very much. Yep. <laughs> uh, if there's a big game involving those two schools, it should be a big crowd. Uh, they'll be they'll be fired up for that one. Um, and like I said, yeah, ODU's played well. Um, they play well on the road. They pull mm-hmm. games out on the road, which is you, you look at some of the ones they've won here in the last month or so, where they're winning by a bucket or two, and they're making free throws down the stretch or you know, going coast to coast to beat the buzzer like they did Saturday at Texas State. Um, they figure out ways to win close games on the road, so um, the environment probably won't bother them too much. Uh, even though I think it should be a pretty a pretty rocket atmosphere on Thursday. You surprised Louisiana lost a couple last week. Obviously, one was the Southern Miss, who's playing great right now. But man, I was surprised they lost two in a row. Yes and no. I, I mean, they like were road said, games, so it could go. And you know. When you win 10 in a row, and you always kind of – even really good teams have stretches where they struggle for a game or two if they have a bad week. And, you know, you win 10 in a row, the law of averages kind of at some point say you might lose a couple, uh, whether it's two in a row or not, and you play good teams. But um, I think they're still they're still dangerous. I don't think they're, you know, falling off the map. No, by yeah. Any, but, um, you know, <clears throat> it's a big one coming up for Jamie. Like you said, we talked about earlier – the women being officially tied. Um, Jamie's not tied with anybody right now, but you just look at the teams that are ahead of them and behind them, and these games, it, yeah. it's in their hands. Yes, it is. <laughs> they're, they're either going to give up you know, the edge that they have or they're going to catch the people or, or a combination of the two. And, you know, win four straight at home, they're going to like where they finish at the end. They'll be second if they win all four. They will be the second seed, and that would be big. There's no doubt. And I think even if they could get to three somehow, two or three, to stay away from Southern Miss until the title game, if that would if that would all transpire, I think they're they've separated themselves. They're really good. The Dukes saw that when they went to Hattiesburg. But I think if they, I would love for them to get to two or three somehow. Yeah, yeah, that would be huge. Um, and it definitely seems like a possibility. It does. But, um, yep. Yeah, but I mean, there's not much disparity between uh, the top handful of teams in the conference, I and mean, maybe even more than a handful. Uh-huh. So, you know, well, like we've talked about all along, the schedule, uh, if, if they rode out that, you know, long stretch of a lot of road games and got to this four straight at home to end it, you'd probably like where they were. And, and now, now it's just on them to take care of business at home. Like they have. For the most part, with yep. the exception of one week. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it, both teams, again, it's it's in their hands right now. Because, again, ODU's a game back. They play them this week. Then Louisiana's a game ahead. They play them Saturday. Marshall's the next Wednesday. They're a game uh, Again, we'll talk much more about it, but a, a lot, uh, lot to look forward to. This should be a fun couple of weeks to figure out uh, where everybody is going to be seated in the Sunbelt Tournament. Great stuff, as always, from Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Read more of his stuff online, dnronline.com slash sports, or pick up the newspaper. Shane, thank you so much, my friend. All right, thanks, Dave.